Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you've got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4, and as you're turning there, I want to say congratulations to our faith worship team on the release of their latest single. You heard that uh, being sang, uh, that worship song was sang this morning, You're Not Finished Yet. Um, so if you enjoyed that, there are actually some links dropping in the, um, in the chat on the live stream right now. Uh, ways that you can access that if you're not familiar with how to get a hold of that music in digital form. Uh, if you'll find the live stream of this service, you can find the links for that song on the various streaming platforms and grab it there and let it be a blessing to you, not just on Sunday morning, but all through the week. Amen? Amen. So yeah, we invest a lot in that process of getting that word out because that is the word going out in song and we want people to hear the gospel. Amen? Amen. So let's talk about facing defeat. Except that nobody wants to. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's an energizing topic first thing on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Facing defeat. Um, but you know, you know what? I, I'm afraid sometimes we've actually uh, misdiagnosed defeat. And what defeat really is. Um, because it's something that most of us have had to deal with at some point in our lives, even if we've misunderstood what it was we were actually dealing with. Because there's an interesting paradox. And that is that what looks like defeat oftentimes is not actually defeat. Sometimes what you and I perceive to be defeat it's actually just a setup for something greater. It's, it's actually God just saying, nah, that's not the way that I need you to go right now. This is not the turn. This is not the move for you. Just hold tight and something else is coming. But it feels defeating in the moment. And you know what? You and I, we may have to make more than one run at a particular thing. You ever, you ever had that happen in life that you just, there were, some, there were some obstacles in front of you, there were some hurdles that you needed to get over, but it took more than one try. And, and in, that, in that process of, of God doing his work in our lives, because sometimes we're not ready to summit that next mountain because God's work is not complete in our lives and our hearts and our minds just yet. And he's doing a little something extra in our lives. And then finally, we have a breakthrough. That's not defeat. That's process. And process is discouraging and sometimes feels like defeat, but it's not defeat. You, you may have to take more than, than one run at something, but, and you may become discouraged along the way, but that's different than being soundly defeated because temporary setbacks are different than a continual state of defeat. And, and I want to speak to someone today who is maybe feeling like that God has in some way failed you and you are dealing with defeat anybody nobody somebody amen so here, here's a situation that that needs to be addressed 
in the scripture. We're going to find it here in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Um, in the history of the nation of Israel, miracles were the normative. Okay, as God began, you can go back to the book of Exodus when God calls these people out as his, as his special people. You can go back to the book of Exodus and find that Israel encountered and experienced the miracles of God as they faced their adversaries. Waters were parted for them to escape the Egyptians. The same waters closed on their adversaries to entomb them therein. As long as Aaron and Hur held up the hands of Moses, the Israelites prevailed over their adversaries. Joshua chapter 6, the walls of Jericho fall as God's people march around them and shout unto God for the victory that had been given them. Joshua chapter 10, Joshua commands the sun to stand still and it does because they were defeating their adversary and Joshua called out to God said Lord we don't want to give our adversaries the opportunity of a reset we're winning right now if you could just extend the daylight just a little bit longer I think we could wrap it up and God answered that prayer so it, it's certainly the expectation when we turn to today's text in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and we find that the Israelites, or it certainly isn't our expectation when we turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4, and we find that the Israelites are facing defeat at the hand of their enemies. 1 Samuel chapter 4 begins this way. It says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines the, and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel, and when they joined the battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. Are you with me so far? Pastor, did you say that right? Did you read that the right way? Yes, I did. It says that the same group of people who experienced miracle after miracle after miracle of God's conquering power being unleashed in their lives have now reached a place and a particular situation where they are suffering loss at the hand of their adversary. Well, pastor, I didn't think it was supposed to be that way as a child of God. I didn't think it was supposed to be that way in my Christian walk. I didn't think that I was ever going to come up against anything that was going to be detrimental towards me. I, I just didn't, I wasn't expecting that. No, 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 no. They, these people weren't expecting this either. Because they had, they had experienced the miracles of God, the miracle of providence, the miracle of God just breaking down the walls of their adversaries. And then the Israelites at this point are asking the question that many of us would. Why, why has God failed us? Why has the Lord allowed us to see this defeat? That's verse 3. This is, this is not the way it was supposed to work for the Israelites. This is not the way it was supposed to work for the Israelites. And if you know anything about Christianity at all, then you understand you've heard all the Bible stories and you know that that is not the way that it's supposed to work for the life of the believer either. Like, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, what do we say all the time? You've been made more than a conqueror, right? 
We have been made victorious in Christ Jesus. We, we have, we have, you know, if God is for us, who can, who can stand against us, right? That's, that's absolutely right. We know that. So we know that if, if, as much as we know anything about Christianity at all, then you know that this situation was not supposed to be the normative in the life of the believer. And they, there are, they are, as many of us often do, scratching our heads trying to figure out why all of the pieces aren't fitting together. There's a mystery before us. There's a mystery to be solved. There's a huge looming question to be answered. How in the world is it that these people of promise are facing this level of defeat at the hand of their adversaries? How in the world is it possible that I go to church week in and week out, that I, that I do all the things that I'm supposed to do and to be a, considered a good Christian, but in this circumstance, in this season, in this time, I'm feeling like God is letting me down. Let me give you some crucial background here. I want you to hear the word of the Lord to this same group of people, this same nation, about 400 years earlier in Leviticus 26, beginning in verse 1, it says this, You shall not make for yourselves idols, neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves, nor shall you set up engraved stones in your land to bow down to it, for I, the Lord, am your God. And you shall keep my Sabbaths and you shall reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Now listen, qualifier, qualifying statement right here, verse 3. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season and the land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing floor shall last till the time of the vintage and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land, uh, land safely and I will give you peace in the land and you shall lie down and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies and they will will fall by the sword before you five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight your enemies shall fall by the sword before you there's a guarantee of victory that's there are you seeing that for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful multiply you and confirm my covenant another qualifying phrase my covenant with you you shall eat of the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and be your God and you shall be my people. Now this is a, there's a long historical record uh, we've covered some of it of things happening exactly according to the covenantal agreement. That the people honored God. They honored God in their heart. They honored God in their home. They honored God with their words. They honored God with their deeds. And God indeed did as he had bound himself by covenant to do. That there was no man. As a matter of fact, he, re he recounts some of this to Joshua. As he's commissioning Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. We look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 3. And God says to Joshua, listen Joshua... Every place that you put the sole of your foot, I'm going to give it to you. 
Now, I don't know about you today, church, but there's something about that that fires Steve up. That makes me believe for greater things. That makes me have a different perspective about what's ahead of me. People want to sit around and bemoan the good old days. And I'm going to tell you what. I've seen some things in my lifetime that I'd rather see than what I'm seeing in the present context from a physical perspective. But from a spiritual perspective, you understand me. That God has never issued greater things for your past than he's about to give you in your present and in your future if you will pursue him every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I will give it to you as I said to Moses verse 5 he says to Joshua and no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses I will be with you I will not leave you nor forsake you but what's the stipulation Well, pastor, I don't know. I mean, uh, grace, unmerited favor. Yes, the grace is the unmerited favor of God. His mercy is not getting what we do deserve. His grace is getting things that we don't deserve. Right? And I'm all about the grace. I'm, I am all about it. I, I love it. I cherish it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I know apart from it, I am nothing. But I'm talking about living a victorious life. Because let me tell you something today, church. There were a lot of Israelites who found freedom from Egypt's bondage, but they never made it into the bounty of Canaan's land. And there's a lot of believers today who find who find emancipation from Egypt's bondage and the bonds of sin, but they never make it into full life in the Spirit that is abundant and overflowing and that is victorious. So I want to talk to you today. Here's the qualifier. God said to Joshua, only, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded to you. Now, unless if you're new to the faith today and you don't understand exactly what's meant by all the law that was given to Moses, they're talking about this book. From front to back, all the way through this book. Not the parts that we pick and choose. Not the parts that we like or don't like. We don't get the smorgasbord approach to the word. But the whole thing, it's specified here in verse 7. If you will do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then, then, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Later on in Joshua's life, Joshua's seen God move in this way. Joshua has has witnessed the power and the hand of God at work in his own life and through his own ministry and all these things. Later on in life, Joshua stands before the whole nation. 
And, and based on this promise of God right here in verse 1, we fast forward to chapter 24, verse 15, and Joshua says to the entire nation, hey, if it seems evil to you today to serve the Lord and you want to serve the gods who were on the other side of the river, the gods of the Amorites and the gods that are forefathers, you, you go ahead with that business. But I'm telling you on the authority of God's word over my life, the prophetic word that I have received, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're not veering to the left. We're not veering to the right. We're not going to be on this side with this party. We're not going to be on that side with that party. But we're going to be somewhere with Jesus, wherever he leads, wherever he guides, wherever he directs. That is the way that we're going. And the people honored God. The people reverenced his word. God fought their battles. Favor and blessing went before the people. They didn't suffer defeat. And they did enjoy the abundance of the land. The opening of our text today indicates that the Israelites were encamped at Ebenezer. Now the meaning of that word Ebenezer in the Hebrew is a stone of help. As a matter of fact, in chapter 7, 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're going to see Samuel add a little more context to this phrase that says, thus far has the Lord helped us. And that's exactly where this nation of people are. They're standing physically in a place that the Lord has helped them attain. They've been through the Red Sea. They've been fed the manna in the wilderness. They've, they've been fed the quail in the wilderness. God has provided. They've drank water that's flowed from a rock. They've seen the walls of their adversaries crumble just at a shout of praise. They've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Indeed, this is their Ebenezer, and they are standing physically in a place that the Lord has helped them arrive. Spiritually, however, they're at a very different place. And I want to ask you something today, and this is just, a, just a, a question for thought and a question for reflection today, but I want to ask you today, you're in this place physically. There's no doubt in my mind that God birthed in the heart of a people a generation ago that there would be a full gospel assembly of God church in Greenville, North Carolina to serve in this region and that he provided that at 5005 Corey Road there would be a faith assembly church that is here with a vibrancy and a life of the Spirit today. I believe that with all my heart. And we are all here physically in a place that the Lord has helped us to. But do you know you can be at a place physically that the Lord has helped you to, but not be at the, at the plateau or at the limit or at the place that the Lord has ever helped you to spiritually? You, you can be spiritually living beneath your birthright as a child of God. And, and they are here and I want to ask you today, where are you today? Are you where the Lord has helped you? Are you living above? Are you living below? Because they're at a place today where too many believers reside. Let me give you a little more context. If you were to actually back up to 1 Samuel chapter 3, you would get a really clear, crisp snapshot of what's going on in this generation of people. 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's beginning to talk about the call of Samuel into the priesthood. And it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And I'm reading this. I'm going to read this next verse from the NIV because it's 
so clear. It says that the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the, Lord, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. King James Version says there was no open vision and, and sometimes when we read terms like that, we're like, ooh, is no, 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 no. There, there was no widespread revelation of the word of the Lord. In other words, the, the preaching of the word, the, the hunger for the word of the Lord wasn't there. It wasn't being sought out. They, they, weren't, they weren't hungry for the things of God. And because of that, they weren't regarding the word of the Lord. As a matter of fact, this, this generation was so dire that a little bit later, if you'll read in that text, 1 Samuel chapter 3, you'll see little boy Samuel going and laying down at night to go to bed. And the voice of the Lord calls to him and says, Samuel. And he gets up. Samuel gets up because he doesn't know what's going on. He goes to Eli's room, who is the high priest, the man that if anybody could have, should have been able to discern the voice of the Lord. And he goes to Eli's room and says, yes, master, you called me. And he said, boy, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Now, that's the Eastern North Carolina translation. <laughs> A second time this happened, Samuel comes in. It took the man of God three times to discern that the voice of the Lord was speaking to this young man. That's the generation they were living in. This is the man who represented the people before God. And here's Israel's pride. Israel's pride is that they were, have been known as God's special people. Among the people of the world, the name Hebrew is almost synonymous with Yahweh, Jehovah God. They are, they are, it was a society founded in the call of God, a society closely identified as a people of God. However, this people went through seasons of time when this was nothing more than a claimed classification, but not an actual state of being. Their, their religious feasts were sickening to the heart of God. Their sin before God was egregious. God many times called them to task for their, this issue of going through the religious motions but lacking the heart of true worship and servitude. So here they were. And they're in this season. They're not heeding the word of the Lord. Do you remember all the qualifiers for victory? for breakthrough, for abundance. If you'll do all that is written in the law, if you'll heed my word, if you'll, if you'll obey my command, then, 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 over and over and over again, but they're not, they're not paying any attention to any of this stuff. But here's, here's, their, here's their recourse in this, in this situation where they've suffered defeat at the hand of their enemy. I know what to do. Somebody says, we're God's people. In our day, it might be better said, we're a Christian nation. No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. If God is for us, 
So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, went there and, and with the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Here in the uproar, the Philistines asked, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? When they learned that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp. And they they said oh no nothing like this has ever happened before neighbor I want to tell you something this morning there is a huge difference between religious noise and God actually being in the camp and we're about to find that out when these people face the heat of battle when the adversary presses in on them I'm telling you today it is a truth that if God is with you and God is for you and God is in you no weapon formed against you is gonna prosper you are gonna be the head and not the tail but if you're constantly facing your adversary and suffering defeat it's time for a spiritual checkup not looking in the mirror of those around you to compare yourself to somebody else not looking at the standard of the world to see if I'm measuring up to somebody else's expectation or if I'm doing just a little bit better than the rest of the heathens around me but looking to Christ the author and finisher of our faith to say hey how am I measuring up not just to the law but to the very fulfillment of the law the one who came and walked in perfection and left me an example that I should follow in his steps The Israelites thought they had it. They thought they had the presence of God, the power that accompanies His great name, but they hadn't regarded the Word. They hadn't lived according to the commandment, but they had run to the house of the Lord for the resource that they had understood to be resident therein. And here they come with their little religious box. But I want to tell you something today, church, and you may think that's blasphemous and sacrilegious or whatever for me to refer to the ark as their little religious box, but I'm telling you, a people who just simply want to lean on the understood resources of the house of the Lord without giving any regard to the God of the house and the lordship of our Savior Jesus Christ, it's just a box. And here they come with their little box, but I want to tell you today, the idea of presence and power and providence wasn't predicated upon the ability of the Israelites to keep up with a box regardless of how sacred it was. The Ark of the Covenant was a tangible representation of a covenantal agreement that God made with His people. You will obey my commandment and I will dwell in the midst of my people and be their God. I'll fight your battles. I'll give you the land. No man is going to be able to withstand you. And they thought they had it, but when it came to the test of the battle, they found out that they did not. Here it is, verse 8. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods, the Philistines said. The, they are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, Philistines. Be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight so the Philistines fought. 
and the Israelites were defeated. Every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons died. Say, Pastor, what does this Old Testament story have to do with me today in my life here in 2022? What, it, what this has to do with you is that what was true for the Israelites is a clear and present danger for us today. If we're not careful, we can go through all the motions. We can offer our religious platitudes to anyone who will listen. We can speak about a Christian nation as if our homes, our minds, our internet browsers, our streaming activity, and our hearts are not filled with some of the most vile, ungodly thoughts, activities, and contents available to us, compliments of the world. And then come and stand in the house of the Lord and sing, we've got the power in the name of Jesus. No, you don't. You relinquish that power to the hand of your enemy when you transgress against the commandment of God. I'm not saying that you're fallen. I'm not saying that you're not going to heaven. But I am saying that you are as powerful as you are in proximity to the presence of God. And sin separates and pushes you out of the proximity of God. It has you running to get behind any tree in any garden that you can to hide from the presence of God. Because you are bound by guilt and shame. Because there's a conviction of the Holy Spirit that attends your life. We cast aside the, the standard of Scripture. Our theological constructs aren't much different than the world around us. We've taken our cues for morality from the mainstream of society. We treat the Antichrist systems of this world like it's some kind of misunderstood friend to be figured out and rather than a destructive force to be avoided and withstood. And we can't figure out why we live in defeat. We get slapped around by the world a little bit, just enough to jar our memory, and we think about the resources of the Father's house, and we come running. I, oh, I know what to do. I, I got to get to church today. It's been a rough week. I can't believe this thing's happening in my family. Let me get down to the altar. I'm, it doesn't matter if the pastor's preaching on tithing today. As soon as he gives the altar call, I'm going to be down there because I got some trouble. I'm heading for the ark. I'm coming to get it. Now, nothing's going to change in my life Monday. I'm still going to do what I want to do. I'm still going to call all my own shots. I'm still not listening for the small, still voice that says neither left nor the right, but this is the way walk in it. I'm going to set my own terms, my own conditions. But here's the thing, child of God. In the covenantal relationship with God, as we intend to walk in victory, we don't have that luxury. His name is not just Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's not just God's anointed, but his full title is the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that? That means that we live subject to the authority of Christ and of his word. We shout Jesus from the mountain. 
Jesus in the street. We declare every promise we can think of. And we haven't cracked our Bibles in weeks. We've adopted the philosophies of the world. We accept sin into our lives. And we can't figure out why this religious thing isn't working. It's because religion does not work. Never has worked. Jesus didn't come, bleed, and die for you to have a religion. He came and bled and died for you to have a relationship with a heavenly Father who is going to watch over you. Who is going to make the path straight before you. Who is going to vanquish every enemy that you face and is going to give you the victory in every situation but you can't be living like some estranged vagabond wrapped up in sin listen I'm going to close right here Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 says this and this is the title of my message by the way not without my spirit So he said to me, thus says the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And I I, I focus on that this morning. I just stop and draw your attention to that. You can stand all over this place. I draw your attention to that quickly, and I make this distinction. The word says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. The title of my message today is, but not without his spirit. Because... You see, the Israelites came into the house of the Lord and they got the Ark of the Covenant and they thought they were going out to face their adversary with the presence of God, but God didn't go with them. And sometimes you and I face things and we haven't really been stoking that relationship. We haven't really been cultivating that relationship. We've been kind of careless in things and hearing and heeding the word of the Lord. And we can't figure out why things are so broken around us. But we've yet to get in this word, not just to know who God is and what he's promised to us, but to know what he's asked of us. What, what does the Lord require? Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly. Oh, Jesus. There's an indictment, right? This is not formulaic. There's, there's There's nothing in the scripture that's formulaic. We, we don't, when we face things, when we pray, when we, when we see, it's not about saying and doing the right thing to get the right result. It boils down to a matter of the heart, an issue of the heart, because Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, if you want to be a good Christian, jump through all the hoops. If, if, if you can balance all this stuff, then it'll all be all right for you. No, he didn't, he didn't say any of that. But what he did say is, if you love me, If you love, if you want to be in relationship with me, keep my commandments. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It can become one of those platitudes that we offer before the problems of life without experiencing the full weight of its truth. You know what should have happened when the Israelites came out to battle, bringing that Ark of the Covenant? I'm telling you, the Philistines should have started peeling off one by one by the masses, just rolling out, going, oh, Lord. And when you and I get up in the morning and we're tuned in to the Spirit of the Lord, that's what your adversary... When you get up tomorrow morning, your adversary needs to say, Oh, Lord, he's up. 
But that doesn't come because we can recite the verses. That doesn't mean, that doesn't come just because we can run in and grab the ark, the box, the religious thing, and, and, and go back out with it. That comes through relationship. We, we learn from today's text that this verse is not one of formulaic success. This is the outflow of walking in covenant relationship with the Lord through obedience to His Word. It might do us better not, to, not trying to rewrite the Scripture to say, not by might nor by power and not without His Spirit. Because the distance between me and God. Oh, I pray and the Lord just seems so far away. I, called out and, and and I'm not saying there aren't times that it doesn't seem that way but I'm just saying if that's a continual if that's a constant you know it's it's understand this the distance between me and God is not his reluctance to enter my situation it's it's not it's not his reluctance to come into my mess it's the things that I behold in my own heart that are contrary to his word because the psalmist said, if I regarded iniquity in my heart, you wouldn't have heard me. But I, honor, and I know this is, this is like maybe not the word you wanted this morning. But I'm telling you something, church. In this generation, it's the word we need. And maybe you're here today and you've been running been running from God you you were brought up in the word and understanding of the word you know what it's all about but there's there's some points where there's been a lack of surrender there's just it's just been an obstinance in your own heart against the things of the Lord and you've wanted to have it your way and you've been you've been pushing against the goads and you've been you've been you've been given resistance and you've been pushing back the voice of the Lord has been calling to you the Spirit of God has been speaking in your heart and calling to remembrance the things that you've learned the things that you've studied the things that you've read and he's, he's impressing those things in your heart and he's pointing out things right now and saying there it is there it is there it is and he's putting his finger on things in your life right now and I'm telling you today that victory is yours victory is yours but it may require making an altar before the Lord wherever that is be it up here at this physical location at your seat in your home as you're watching online and worshiping with us online just calling out to the Lord right now and saying search me oh God know my heart see if there's any unclean thing in me purge me Lord wash me clean of anything in my life that's contrary to who and what you want me to be sins that I've entertained thoughts that I've entertained Actions in which I've engaged that I know are contrary to who and what you're calling me to be. I've not been fully obedient, Lord. I've been resistant. And maybe today it's time to release some of those things to the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I've, been, I've heard the gospel. And I've just been resistant because I, I want to do things my own way. But today I realize I've had enough. And I want to begin a relationship, a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. I want Him, I want that unmerited favor, that amazing grace. 
And then I want to begin a covenant relationship with Him. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.